History of Exorcisms. Join us as we shed some light on the mysterious practice of exorcisms and understand its place in history. Imagine that one day, strange things start happening in your house. Things disappear from their usual place. Let's say you always put the TV remote in the same spot when you turn off your TV, only to find it on top of the fridge the next day. Somewhere you would never leave it. Then it disappears again the next day, only for you to find it outside your front door. Another day, you're having dinner with your family and you hear someone running upstairs or in another room. You go to check, but no one's there. One day, a room suddenly becomes extremely cold in the middle of the summer without explanation. Doors suddenly close on their own, sometimes violently. Then you feel a presence but you don't see anyone. Suddenly, these sorts of things happen more frequently and become more intense. All of a sudden, you see shadows, but no one is there. You're not the only one who notices this, but also your family, and each one of them tells you about different experiences. Whether you are a religious person or not, there is no logical explanation of what is happening. Cases like this are not the typical type of possession that you see in movies, but that's often how it starts. In today's episode, we journey through winding passages of history to unearth the origins, evolution, and tales of exorcism. We will traverse the deserts of Mesopotamia, where early texts spoke of banishing dark spirits, and walk the hallowed halls of the Vatican, where the rituals have been honed and codified over centuries and the eternal struggle between skepticism and belief. The rite of exorcism stands as a testament to humanity's age-old battle against the unseen forces that threaten our world. Even non-believers can't help but feel a chill in their spines when reading or listening to some of these cases. We'll explore some of the most famous cases and many of the misconceptions about how exorcisms actually take place, how they work, and what priests really witness. Not everything is like it is in the movies. Sometimes, it's even scarier. This is The Dark History Project. Now let's get started. The Dawn of Exorcisms Exorcism, the ritualistic act of evicting demons or other supernatural entities from a person or place, can trace its roots back to ancient civilizations. This practice is interwoven with humanity's oldest tales of spirits, possessions, and the divine intercession required to combat these malevolent forces. In ancient Mesopotamia, the cradle of civilization, priests performed rituals to banish evil spirits using spells inscribed on cuneiform tablets. These early exorcists believed that illness, both mental and physical, were manifestations of demonic possession. It was their solemn duty to confront and repel these entities, returning the afflicted to a state of balance. Similarly, ancient Egyptians attributed certain ailments to the malicious whims of displeased gods or malevolent spirits. To counteract these, they employed a range of rituals, amulets, and incantations. The renowned Book of the Dead contains spells that could repel wandering spirits, ensuring the deceased's safe passage to the afterlife. 
In the classical civilization of Greece and Rome, the belief in possession and the need for exorcism was also widespread. Temples dedicated to the god Asclepius, the deity of healing, would sometimes serve as sites where the possessed could seek spiritual healing, often through dream therapy. Judeo-Christian traditions also provide accounts of encounters with demonic entities. The Bible, most notably in the New Testament, recounts instances where Jesus cast out evil spirits from the possessed. These narratives provided foundational legitimacy for the Christian rites of exorcism that would develop in later centuries. As we journey through history, it becomes clear that the act of exorcism is not merely a byproduct of religious doctrine, but a universal response to the mysteries of the unknown, a testament to humanity's enduring desire to understand and control the world around and within them. This act is not meant to scare anyone. I would say the opposite. Religious leaders work together to get rid of these forces and bring peace, whether or not you're a religious person. The medieval period spanning from the 5th to late 15th century bore witness to a heightened interest in a practice of exorcism. This era marked by socio-political upheavals, the spread of Christianity and a deeply rooted belief in the supernatural saw exorcism evolve from a scattered practice into a more structured and institutionalized rite within the Christian church. The Middle Ages were characterized by a pervasive fear of the devil and his minions. This was an epoch where evil was palpably present, manifesting in inexplicable illnesses, failed crops, or other calamities. Possession became a readily accepted explanation for many such misfortunes. In our previous episode of The Black Death, we go over how the Catholic Church was essential to European society in such a hard time when people couldn't explain what was happening. And this is very similar. Who do you go to when no one can help you? As Christianity spread across Europe, with its narratives of Christ and saints expelling demons, the demand for exorcistic practices grew. The church, seeing a need to address the surge in demonic apprehensions, began to standardize the ritual. By the late medieval period, the Roman Catholic Church has established formal procedures and guidelines for conducting exorcisms, culminating in the publication of the Rituale Romanum in 1614, which provided an official liturgy for the ritual. This process not only underscores the church's authority in spiritual matters, but also acted as a safeguard against potential abuses or heretical practices. Here is where we start seeing the shaping of how exorcisms should be done by a central religious power. There are cases where religious leaders are sought by members of their congregation for possible possession, and even if they are not Catholic, they usually refer you to a Catholic priest to get you in touch with an exorcist to review the case. The reason for this is because of the history, practice, and experience with exorcisms. I think it shows how the goal is to help the victim and not show the power of different churches. The rise of universities and scholarly pursuits did introduce more nuanced discussion on the nature of possession. Debates arose over whether certain afflictions were medical rather than demonic, sowing the seeds for the eventual shift towards a more scientific understanding of mental and physical illnesses. The modern era has witnessed a remarkable evolution in the practice and perception of exorcism. 
exorcism took a turn from spectacle to scrutiny. While its roots are firmly entrenched in ancient religious traditions, contemporary exorcism are a juxtaposition of aged-old faith and the increasing influence of psychology, medicine, and media. The 20th century saw the rise of secularism and scientific understanding, particularly in the West. As psychiatric and neurological advancements offered new explanations for conditions previously attributed to possession, skepticism regarding exorcism grew. Disorders like epilepsy, schizophrenia, and multiple personality disorder began to be understood within medical frameworks, leading to a decline in exorcisms in many parts of the world. However, the 1973 release of the film The Exorcist, based on a 1949 case of an alleged exorcism in the United States, reignited public interest. The chilling portrayal of demonic possession became a cultural phenomenon, leading to both intrigue and hysteria. Following the film's release, there was a noticeable uptick in reported cases of possession and demand for exorcistic interventions. This renewed interest prompted the Catholic Church, the most prominent institution associated with exorcisms, to act with caution. In 1999, it issued revised guidelines on exorcisms, emphasizing the need to differentiate between psychiatric conditions and genuine cases of demonic possession. The church urged priests to collaborate with medical professionals to ensure that individuals received appropriate care. Despite this cautionary approach, the 21st century has seen a resurgence in the demand for exorcisms worldwide. In response, the church has increased its training programs for exorcists to meet this demand, ensuring that practices are both safe and in line with modern understanding. It's important to mention this. The church is not about taking as many cases as possible to look like the hero. They have teams of exorcists who collaborate with experts inside and outside the church to only take on cases that cannot be explained by science. Outside Catholicism, various Christian denominations and other religions continue to practice their own versions of exorcism. The rise of the internet has further democratized the practice, with self-proclaimed exorcists offering services online and deliverance ministries conducting mass exorcisms via televised broadcasts or digital platforms. As mentioned before, it is interesting how the Catholic Church works with many non-Catholic religious leaders when a possession might be taking place in their congregations. So it's not like what we see online when religious leaders compete to see who can do an exorcism and who can't. They actually work together. While modern exorcism remains anchored in spiritual beliefs, it now operates at an intersection of faith, science, and popular culture. As society continues to grapple with the mysteries of the human psyche and the boundaries of belief, exorcism remains a testament to humanity's enduring quest to understand and conquer the unseen forces that influence our lives. There are many cases that we could go over. Looking online doesn't really help, since it is difficult to know which ones are real, since there are many content creators who spin stories to make them more entertaining, but the reality is many of them are actually pretty sad, and some have ended up in the death of the possessed. The case of Annalise Michel in 1967 is one of the most famous cases. This German girl's tragic story inspired the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose. 
Annalise underwent 67 exorcism sessions over 10 months. Diagnosed with epilepsy and mental disorders, her condition deteriorated, leading to her death from malnutrition and dehydration. Her parents and the exorcists faced manslaughter charges. The case that led to a film that exploded the interest in exorcisms was a case of Ronald Doe in 1949. This synonymous American boy's exorcism inspired William Peter Blatty's novel, The Exorcist, and subsequent film adaptation. Accounts detailed bed shaking, objects flying, and malevolent behavior. The Catholic Church sanctioned an exorcism, which was allegedly successful. Another famous case is the one of Michael Taylor in 1974. In Osset, England, Taylor underwent an exorcism that lasted for hours, with priests claiming they banished 40 spirits from him. Hours after the exorcism, Taylor murdered his wife. He was found wandering the streets covered in blood, claiming an evil entity made him do it. Lastly, the case of Clara Germana Sale in 1906, a South African schoolgirl who claimed to have made a pact with the evil forces. She exhibited strength, clairvoyance, and spoke languages she'd never learned. After an exorcism witnessed by 170 people, Clara was reportedly freed from the demonic influence. If you want to know about more modern cases, please check out a podcast called The Exorcist Files. In this podcast, Father Carlos Martins goes over many of the cases he was involved in and the things he experienced himself. I don't want to go over his case because I think it's better if you listen to someone who not only witnessed them, but actually performed the rituals and actually goes into detail about his chilling experiences. The man is an expert on not just the history of exorcisms, but also on what he has seen and heard from other exorcists. On top of that, he has some fascinating stories about how Catholic priests actually work with leaders from other religions to tackle this ongoing battle with evil. One of the biggest takeaways from his episodes, at least to me, is that many of the cases he has worked on didn't simply begin just because. There's always a reason. Whether it might be playing with a Ouija board, wearing certain symbols on jewelry, family history, or past traumatic experiences. Any of these might be a reason why a door is left open to these forces. Now, don't think the priests who dedicate their lives to exorcisms perform them to anyone who asks. Actually, most cases of possessions are rejected by the church because they can be explained by modern science. Exorcists actually review medical records, family history, and any information that may be helpful before they take on a case. They will ask if medical professionals have examined the person to check if science can explain what's happening, and in most cases, it can explain it and treat the symptoms. They have to be almost 100% certain that what's happening cannot be explained by science. Pretty much, they go through all the steps a non-believer would take before considering taking on a case of possession. Those priests work with everyone, not just Catholics and even with non-religious people as long as they express their desire to be free of demonic possession. If the priest is convinced that the person is possessed, they will then perform an exorcism. The exorcism process can vary depending on the specific case, 
but it typically involves the priest using prayers, holy water, and other sacred relics or objects to drive out the evil entity. The exorcisms may take several sessions to complete. It is not always a one-time thing. If you want to get deep into the subject and explore actual cases, there is plenty of material from actual exorcists, including books, interviews, and testimonies. A great example is Father Gabriel Amorth, who was the chief exorcist of the Diocese of Rome. He was appointed an exorcist in 1986 and practiced as one until his death in 2016. He wrote several books on the subject and was involved in thousands of exorcisms. In his book, he's pretty open about his process to know if an exorcism is needed or not. The film, The Pope's Exorcist, was supposedly about the cases Father Amorth was involved with, but as expected, stories were heavily edited, and not like what Father Amorth experienced. If you ever see the trailer, it looks like a big spectacle in the typical exorcist movie scenario. The movie was also heavily criticized by actual practicing exorcists, since not every case involved what you see in movies. Actually, real-life exorcists supported another movie that came out this year called Nefarious, which is about a death row inmate who, on the day of his execution, tells a psychiatrist he is actually possessed. Obviously, they have to verify this is not a medical condition before taking on the execution. But the essence of the movie is a long conversation between the psychiatrist and this entity that is possessing the inmate. An actual exorcist said most exorcisms are just like this, a conversation with these entities, who may appear to be highly intelligent and know things that most people don't. One example, in Father Carlos Martin's case, is when he showed up to see a person who was supposedly possessed in regular clothes, and the entity knew who he was. And yes, there are claims from exorcists in which physical disturbances happen, such as levitation, extreme strength, as well as screams that don't appear human, but this is something that doesn't always happen. It is essential to reflect on what we've uncovered and the varying layers of human belief, culture, and psychology that this topic touches upon. The ritual of exorcisms, while often sensationalized in modern media, is rooted in ancient traditions spanning numerous cultures and religions. These rites have been, for many years, a way to understand, categorize, and confront the unexplained and feared aspects of human experience. In the end, this episode doesn't just tell the tale of exorcism, but also the broader story of humanity's quest for understanding and meaning. In a world where science and faith often seem at odds, the history of exorcism reminds us of the intricate dance between the known and the unknown, the explained and the mysterious. Thank you for being with us for this episode of The Dark History Project. Hopefully we inspired some of you to look further into these stories. Please help us out by sharing, subscribing, or liking this episode. If the platform you're listening to allows for comments, please let us know what you think. Feel free to discuss this topic or what topics you would like for us to cover in the future. We hope you enjoyed it, and our next episode will come out soon where we talk about Jack Parsons, Rockets, Dark Magic, and The Suicide Squad. See you then.